Well, I'm so excited to be able to bring the Word of God to you today. If you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to open it up, whether it's a printed edition or a digital format. I want to show you a verse uh, here at the beginning of this message that's really going to set the tone for what I want to say today, and it's out of the book of Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter number 7. We're in a series right now called The Kingdom. And I want to tell you today, there is a kingdom. Everyone, thanks so much for joining clouds. us here today. Listen to I'm this Pastor verse Chris. out of I'm Daniel the chapter here seven, at Wrightsville beginning Assembly of in God. verse. We're so 13. excited that you took time now, to join us it, for this service. You, this you know, normally at Daniel one of our services, we'd have one of our greeters stationed at the door, opening the words, up the door for you, vision, and then you come in and grab a cup night, of coffee and I some pastries. You might already have the coffee and pastries in your hands right now, but you can help us to open up the door for others to allow them to take part in this service. Now pay careful you can attention do that, to that by sharing the service with your family and your friends. Also, let us know that you're a part of this by interacting and commenting throughout the, the service. Of days and you know, we have a lot of different opportunities now online to connect together. We also have a, a kids' service of available, and you can the, see that at rightsfieldchurch.com/slash/online. says he has been given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and all peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. Today, and his I want to take a moment just to say welcome. That will never we actually have an online connect destroyed. card that you now, can fill you probably out don't in have a couple to have too much Bible knowledge to be able to guess already. This is Jesus. Daniel has this vision of Jesus. This is Old Testament. This is hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus comes on the scene. Please take time to fill that out even now. What I want you to know about this vision, because maybe you've never read it before or haven't looked at it in a long time, these words that Daniel wrote about the vision that he had are, are some of the most well-known prophecies of the coming of Jesus Christ in all we of the want Bible. You to know every that here at every Jew of God, in Jesus' day is would have known about this forward. verse that I God just read God is to you. always working. Every and he Pharisee, works in and every Sadducee, every so uh, priest, every teacher of the law, they would have had these verses the memorized. You can do that by giving generously at rightsfieldchurch.com slash give. Your support allows us to have a greater impact in our community. Coming with the clouds of heaven. And that's why when Jesus was answering his disciples' questions about his kingdom, and they said, when is your kingdom going to come? How are we going to know when the end is here? Jesus began to describe the end times. He began to say, this is what it's going to be like in Matthew chapter 24. And in verse 30, Jesus said these words. He said, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. What is the sign? of the Son of Man in heaven. Look at it. He said, And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Jesus was talking about that verse in Daniel 7. He was saying, What we read from Daniel was about me. And you're going to know that my kingdom is coming in its fullness at the end of days when you see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. Let me show you one more place really quick as we kind of jump into this as to where we see this same reference come up. It's actually in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's right after Jesus is arrested. He's about to be uh, put on trial. He's about to go to the cross. 
And, and the Bible says that on the night he was arrested, Mark chapter 14, verse 53, it says they took Jesus to the high priest. And all the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law came together. Now here's what's happening. As they come together, they're looking for a reason to convict Jesus to death. In fact, the Bible says that a couple of guys uh, stirred up a testimony and they both gave false witness about Jesus. Unfortunately, they couldn't even corroborate their story and get it straight. And and so the, the leader, the high priest, he asked Jesus a second time because through all this, Jesus is just being quiet. He's not saying anything. And the high priest asked him a second time. He said, are you the Messiah? Now, I want you to hear how Jesus answered the question in verse 62. He said, I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds. When, when that high priest heard Jesus quote Daniel 7, I mean, it shot through him. It, it was like blasphemy. They knew that the coming one in the clouds was the Messiah, the Son of God. They knew what Jesus was saying about himself when he made that statement. Look at the next verse. It says in verse 63, the high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asks. You've heard this blasphemy. What do you think? And it says they all condemned him as worthy of death. You know why they jumped to such a strong conclusion? Because they were waiting for a kingdom in the clouds. They just refused to accept the fact that Jesus was that king, and it is, in fact, his kingdom. Well, I'm here to declare to you today that we are a part of this kingdom, a kingdom in the clouds. And I want to encourage you with a couple of very practical ways that I believe we can learn something from the clouds. If you're a note taker, the first thing you need to know is it's stored up in the clouds. Your life in the kingdom needs to be stored in the clouds. See, let me tell you what I mean. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, he said, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus was saying, look, the things that matter the most, the things that are significant in your life, don't live for the momentary pleasures. Don't live for the things that temporarily satisfy. Store up your treasures in heaven. You know, as I think about the reality of of, of doing church the way that we're doing it right now, as we're now in a second week of, of being quarantined and being separated, you know, I realize there's a lot of people that feel like they're missing out in 2020. A lot of us, we just feel like we're missed. I mean, I think about my own self. Two weeks ago, I was actually headed to the airport in Newark so I could get on a flight and go to Israel. I was looking forward to doing something I had never done before. I was going to the promised land. I planned on getting baptized in the Jordan just like Jesus did. I got as far as long-term parking, parked my car, took a shuttle, got to the airport, met my travel team, only to learn that that was the day that the trips would be canceled because of mandatory quarantines that were happening in Israel. I think about my oldest daughter, Morgan, and her friends. They've been working for weeks, even months, on their high school musical. And now here it is springtime, and they're missing out. 
they're missing out. I, I talked to one of our, our high school seniors this week, and, and they're feeling the frustration of, this is my final semester. I, I'm missing out. And listen, my heart, it goes out to, to all of those that, that feel that way, that feel like I'm, I'm missing out. I'm, I'm being robbed of my experiences, of the, the things I look forward to. And, and truth be told, there's a lot of people that are even missing out on a lot more than that. I know some of you that are listening to this message, you, you're, you're missing out on a job. You lost your job. Maybe you're missing out on, on a significant portion of your income. Maybe some of you watching this have even lost loved ones. The feeling that can overwhelm us is that in 2020, we're just simply missing out. But Jesus makes a statement that, that puts all of these emotions into a different light. He gives us some context in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, when he says these words. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? In other words, you know what Jesus was saying? He was saying, if all you have is all down here, then it's worthless. Because it doesn't profit you anything to have everything the world can offer. If all you have is down here, it's worthless. But if you hold on to something more, if you have something you possess that's up there in the clouds, then nothing and no one can rob you of what is eternally significant in your life. It's like this phone I have in my pocket, my iPhone. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of memories. I've got a lot of moments on this phone. They're priceless. I mean, the things on this phone are priceless to me. Now, if I were to lose this phone or somebody would steal this phone, or if I dropped and broke this phone, it would be unfortunate. It would be expensive, but it wouldn't be priceless. And the reason it wouldn't be priceless is because although I value the phone itself, all the things that are on the phone that really matter to me, the memories and the moments, those things are backed up in the cloud. Those things, those things are stored in another place. So you can take my phone, you can take my, uh, you can break this device, but, but all the things that really matter are, are stored up somewhere else. And can I tell you, that's the way it's supposed to be in the kingdom. That's the way it is in the kingdom of God, that, that the things that really matter are stored up in the cloud. Listen, the, the coronavirus, it's made a lot of people anxious. A lot of people are, are, are very anxious today because of what we're dealing with in our culture. And, and I felt that too, but can I tell you what the coronavirus can't have? Can't have my peace. That's stored up in the cloud. I mean, come on. I, the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, that he will keep in perfect peace those whose eyes and minds are stayed upon the Lord. So I, I might feel a little anxious, but it can't take my peace. I'll tell you the truth. I'd be a lot happier if I was preaching this message to my actual church family and not to these cameras. But my happiness is just based on circumstances, and things change. The reality is, I tell you what, can't change. A quarantine can't take my joy. No, my joy, it comes from the Lord. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8, verse 10, it says uh, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so I have joy. The circumstances that I'm facing they can't take my peace. They can't take my joy. They can't take my love. Can't take my laugh. Can't take my song. Why? Because those things are stored in the cloud. 
Because those things are eternal things. They're gifts from God that have been deposited into my life. Yeah, I think about the Apostle Paul. Wrote over a third of the New Testament. He understood social distancing like most of us never will. Because the Apostle Paul was a prisoner in a Roman prison. He was ostracized from the community of faith. His freedoms were were limited. And yet, he wrote a church, uh, the Philippians, a letter. And in that letter, in chapter 4 and verse 4, he said this to them. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Think about this. Here's Paul, a prisoner, and he's encouraging them. He's telling them to to rejoice. And he doesn't just say it once, he says it twice. And I think he probably said it twice because he knew they were like we are. Some of us need to hear it two times. Some of us need to know that we can have our joy. And then look at the next verse with me. He says in verse 5, Let your gentleness be evident to all. Now how could he say that? When he's locked in a prison, when he's chained to a Roman guard, how could he tell people to let your gentleness be evident to all? Well, we know how, and we know why he said that. If you just read the rest of the verse, it says, the Lord is near. Paul said, you ought to keep your joy, and you ought to keep your your attitude and your character in check for this reason. The Lord is near. You know what Paul was doing in the midst of his mandatory social distancing? Paul was keeping his gaze fixed on the clouds. Paul saw that Jesus is coming soon. That this this momentary struggle, this difficult circumstance, it's not going to last. It's not forever. And you can't steal my joy. You can't steal my peace. You can't steal my hope because my help is in the clouds and he's coming. The Lord is near. You know, there's a lot of people, they they look at Christians and they say, well, you Christians, you just got your head in the clouds. Listen, friend, I don't just have my head in the clouds. I got my hope in the clouds. I got my heart in the clouds. My help is in the clouds. Everything that I am anchoring my soul and my faith to is in the clouds. The Bible says in John 10 and 10, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. Can I tell you today that all the riches of the kingdom of God are stored up for you in the cloud. You don't have to fret over what you're missing out on. Let me give you the second thought about these clouds. Not only are we to store up our lives in the cloud, but you're surrounded by the cloud. See, in God's kingdom, we're surrounded by a cloud. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, to his disciples, right before he ascended up to heaven, he said, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And if you go over to Acts chapter 1, verse 9, Luke tells us exactly what happened right after he said that. It says, after he had said this, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So here they are. They're they're looking at Jesus. He says, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. And then a cloud begins to lift him up. And and he goes right up into heaven, and they're, they're standing there, and they're looking at the cloud. 
They're all just looking into the sky. And the Bible says two angels appeared and stood there with him, gleaming in white garments. And they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And then they said this. They said, this same Jesus who has ascended is going to come back in like manner. The angels were saying the same way that Jesus went is the same way he's coming back. He's coming back in a cloud. So when he went up in a cloud, he's coming back in a cloud. Where we're living in right now is what we call the church age. And so we are literally surrounded by the clouds. It started with Jesus going up in a cloud. It's going to end with Jesus coming back in a cloud. And the bookends of the church age is the cloud from his ascension to his second coming. And right in the middle of those two things, the ascension of Christ and the second coming of Christ is a massive cumulolimbus promise from God that says, I am with you always. Hear me today. You're not alone. You're not alone. Because your life is surrounded by the cloud. If you're in his kingdom, you're not alone. And you're not just surrounded by the promise of his presence. You're also surrounded by his people. Now, now I know you might say, well, not today. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not surrounded by anybody today. Listen to what the word of God says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. He said we're surrounded by a crowd of witnesses. So who is in that cloud of witnesses? Well, to understand who's in the cloud, you got to look at the first word here in the text. It says, therefore. That therefore points back to the previous chapter. Hebrews 11, it's a who's who of the most famous characters in the Old Testament. Hebrews 11 has often been called the Faith Hall of Fame. And if you read Hebrews 11, you're going to find there's two words that connect all of the characters together. By faith. By faith. In fact, 23 times in the first 32 verses, we hear those words together. By faith. Hebrews 12 tells us that, that we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses who ha demonstrated faith in God. And it tells us that because of that, we, it, we ought to be compelled to do something. Because it's true that we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Look at it. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs that idle hands are the devil's workshop. And I know it's probably true that there's a lot of people because of the isolation and the downtime, there's been an open door for them to fall into uh, sinful habits and sinful practices. And, and I pray that the Spirit would strengthen you if that's you today. But the Bible also says bad company corrupts good character. And so I think it's probably also true that, that there are some who have been surprised by an unexpected freedom from the snare of the enemy just because of a mandatory quarantine. 
Because being isolated from people has at the same time allowed you to be isolated from temptation. And and I don't know what the struggle is for you. Maybe it's workaholism. But the fact that your work closed, that you can't go to your job, all of a sudden you've found a new freedom. Or, Or maybe it's just going to the club and you're just spending too much time doing that. But hey, the clubs are closed now. The bar's shut down. And somehow in the midst of all that, you've found a new freedom in the midst of this. Can I just encourage you, wherever you're at on that spectrum, because we all struggle with sin, can I just tell you that God wants to use this isolation time. He wants to take what feels like aloneness and loneliness, and he wants to make it alone time with him. God wants you to be able to silence the noise that you're hearing in your life so that you can tune in more to hear his voice. Can I encourage you? This is the time to throw off every weight, as Hebrews 12 says. Throw off every sin that so easily entangles us. Why? So that you can run with perseverance. The race that God has marked out for you. I don't know when you're going to be able to get back to your life as you know it. I don't know when things are going to start to feel normal again. But can I tell you, God's desire for you is when that moment comes that you would run unencumbered by the sins of your past. God wants to set you free. And some might even be listening to this and you go, well, why? I mean, why, why does that even matter? Why should I want to do that? Why does it matter what my personal choices and habits and lifestyle looks like? I'm going to tell you why it matters. It matters because you are called to be in the cloud too. You're called to be one of those witnesses. It's not just something that we read about in the Old Testament of patriarchs and matriarchs of days gone by. No, God has called you and I to be a witness so that our lives reflect his faithfulness as we walk by faith. You know, like a lot of people, I've had plenty of time in the evenings to watch movies lately. And uh, just the other night, uh, my wife and I, we watched a movie I had never seen before. It was... It was about a pioneer air balloonist in the 1860s and a young meteorologist. They were trying to push the envelope to fly higher than anyone had ever gone before so that they could make new discoveries about the atmosphere and about weather. And I thought it was interesting at one point in the movie as they were floating higher and higher in their balloon, they were stunned by the silence. just no sound whatsoever. And they began to scream out loud and and not even an echo was coming back. And they were just amazed at how silent it was being so many thousands of feet removed from everyone. And then something interesting happened. All of a sudden, they started drifting into a cloud. And as they were enveloped by that cloud, they heard something. They said, what is that noise? It was a church bell. And then a couple seconds later, they could hear the clopping of horses' hooves on the cobblestone roads in the street below. And they realized in that moment that while they thought it was silence and that nothing could be heard, once they got in the cloud, the cloud was holding the sound. And they recognized that in the cloud, they could hear the noise on the street below. And can I just say to you today, when you feel alone, get in the cloud. 
Surround yourself with this great cloud of witnesses. Listen, you might not be able to sit down and and have coffee with a friend. You might not be able to go and and hang out with people face-to-face the way that you typically would. But you know what you can do? You can sit down this week. You can open up your Bible. You can have a conversation with Abraham. You can talk with Moses. You can learn how to worship from leaning into David's life. You can talk with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul the Apostle, and you can lean in and surround yourself with a cloud of witnesses. See, when you surround yourself with a great cloud, the heavens don't feel silent anymore. So many people have said to me before, I just, I don't know how to hear from God. They're just kind of floating adrift out there. Surround yourself with a cloud of witnesses. Surround yourself with people of faith. Let me give you the third thing that we can learn from the cloud in the kingdom. Number three is this, seed the cloud. You've got to seed the cloud. Let me give you a kind of abstract verse of scripture out of Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse four. It says this. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Well, that's a pretty poetic way of saying, basically, if you look for an excuse, you'll find one every time. That's what he's saying. If, you, if you're watching the wind, it's never going to be the right conditions for you to go out and plant the seed. If you're always watching the clouds, You're always going to fear that it's going to rain and you're never going to go out and you're never going to reap the harvest. I read a story recently that that made this thought of seeding the clouds very real to me. I want to share it with you. It was in 1940 and it was called Project Cyrus. It, It was the first attempt to modify a hurricane through human intervention. And the team that was working on this project, they were a bit of an odd couple. One of them was Irving Langmeyer. He was a Nobel Prize winning chemist. But his partner was Vincent Schaefer, a high school dropout, who happened to be pretty good at DIY projects. What brought these two guys together was their love for skiing. And in the winter, they would they would hike up Mount Washington in New Hampshire and they would do weather tests at the weather observatory and then they would ski back down the mountain together. Now, I have hiked Mount Washington a couple times in the winter and I can tell you, that time of year, it lives up to its name, the world's worst weather. But they did this together, and and they really enjoyed that. And then one day in the winter, they were hiking up Mount Washington, and the chemist noticed a cluster of clouds. And Irving said, isn't it interesting that there's so many clouds up there, and yet there's so few snowflakes? There's barely any snow. We should look into that. Well, that was all the prompting that Vincent needed. Vincent Schaefer went back to his lab. He was able to get a hold of a GE freezer and and he retrofitted it with some black felt on the inside and he turned the temperature down to where it was 10 degrees below the point of water freezing. And when he got the temperature right, 
He breathed into that freezer. And all of a sudden, his warm air in that cold climate created a cloud. And the cloud just hovered right there in the freezer. And so he began to do something. He began to attempt to seed the cloud. Just like you would put seeds in the ground and expect something to come out of it, he was hoping to create snow. And so he began to seed the cloud. But everything that he tried failed. He tried it for weeks. And then weeks turned to months. And winter turned to spring. And spring to summer. Until finally he was having a hard time keeping the freezer cold. And then finally one fateful day in the middle of July. He couldn't figure out how to get the freezer cold enough. So he decided to add dry ice. And all of a sudden when he added solid carbon dioxide into that freezer, the cloud transformed into snow crystals. Vince Schaefer had nucleated the clouds and made snow. They couldn't wait to scale the experiment up and try it outside. It felt like forever until it finally got cold enough for the winter to arrive. But when it did, Vincent went to the store. He bought six pounds of crushed dry ice and he rented a single prop plane. He took that airplane up, flew up over the mountains and right into a cumulus cloud. And when he released that dry ice, the spectators down below said it looked like the cloud exploded. Eyewitnesses said you could see the snowfall from those clouds 40 miles away. It's interesting to think about the impact of seeding a cloud. So how do we seed the cloud in the kingdom? What does it look like for us? Well, I can tell you what it doesn't look like. It's not just waiting. It's not just watching the cloud. It's not just gauging the wind. No, Ecclesiastes says if you do those things, you'll never move forward. You've got to be proactive. You've got to do something. You know how we seed the cloud? We seed the cloud through prayer. We pray. Did you know the Bible says you have not because you ask not? There's so many people, they say, well, I'm just waiting on God. Hey, maybe God's waiting on you to step out by faith. Seed the cloud. You know how else we seed the cloud? We do it by expressing our faith in God. How many times does he have to prove himself to you before you just trust him? Come on, friend. I, I'm speaking to someone right now. You, you've made excuse after excuse. God's proven himself time and time again. He's done more than enough. Evidence is not the issue. You need to seed the cloud. You need to stretch out faith. You need to simply believe. Did you know the, the gospel of Mark, it ends with two words, signs following. Jesus had told the church, he said, I want you to take this gospel. I want you to preach it to the ends of the earth. And they did with signs following. Now, wouldn't it have been so much easier if that verse said signs preceding? 
I mean, come on. How much easier would it be to serve God, to trust God, if God would just show out and show off before we ever even showed up? I mean, it'd be easy to obey God if, if he preceded our faith with a sign, but you got to seed the cloud. You got to walk by faith and not by sight. You got to step into a life of trust with the Lord. I, I, I don't know where you're at emotionally today as you watch this message. But I'm going to tell you, for me and my house, I, I've already made up my mind. 2020 is not going to be defined by the coronavirus. It's not going to be defined by a quarantine. It's not going to be defined by missing out. It's about a kingdom. It's about a kingdom. And friend, this is the hour that you and I have been called into the kingdom. No, no sense in wishing for days gone by. No sense in dreading for the future. You have this moment. I have this moment, this opportunity. And so lean in to the promise of a kingdom that awaits between the clouds. A kingdom that is coming in the clouds. And you can be encouraged today with this thought. Listen, I know it feels like you're missing out, but you're not missing out on anything of eternal matters. Why? Because it's stored in the cloud. That's where your treasure is. It's stored in the cloud. And you're not alone. Do not believe the lies of the enemy that no one understands or that no one can relate or that you're forgotten. You're not alone. You're surrounded by the cloud. You're surrounded by the promise that Jesus said, I'm with you always, and you're surrounded by the church. The church that is alive today and the church that we have recorded in this book. You're surrounded by a cloud. I want to challenge you, friend. Don't waste another moment. Don't wait for a more opportune time. Don't watch the wind. Don't stare at the clouds. Seize the moment. Seed the cloud. Step out in faith and trust God with everything that you have and with everything that you are. And you know what? He'll honor that. He'll honor that step of faith. I want to pray for you right now. And no matter where you're at or where you're watching this from, I want to invite you in this moment to just get really real with God. Would you just close your eyes with me? As we focus on the Lord and no one else, I want to ask you a question before we pray. Have you given your heart and life completely to Jesus? Have you surrendered everything to him? Or, or are you waiting on him to do something more? Are you watching the wind and the clouds? If that's you today, let this be the moment that you stretch out faith and let this prayer be the moment that you believe. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now, friend. And if you're far from God, if you don't have a relationship with him, he wants to welcome you into his kingdom. God wants to give you a place in his family. And I want to invite you to pray this prayer after me. Just tell the Lord, dear God, 
Thank you for sending Jesus to be the Savior of the world. I believe Jesus lived a sinless life. I believe he died for my sin. And I believe that he rose from the dead three days later. And because he conquered death, I will live also. Today, by faith, I receive new life. I receive the spirit of Jesus inside of my heart and my life. By faith, I believe I am a new creation today. The old is gone. All things are brand new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, we would love to begin to take steps with you in your journey of faith. We'd love for you to connect with the church. You've already heard how you can connect with us. If you want to take another step and follow up in the comments or email us on our website, find a way to connect because you were not called to journey alone. Church, I want you to know we are praying for you. We look forward to connecting with you through all means possible because we're better together. Keep your eyes up, church. He's coming in the clouds. God bless you.